later in the episode. I just like the ability of having magic. Like if I wanted to go and pick up a sword and shield and I could literally go do that. I want to do something I can't do, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that I think that's the biggest thing is I I use these games to do shit that I could not do in real life. Remember how you uh, always you don't want me to play D and D with you? And I said the only way I would play it, if I can just jump in and be like a low five wizard right in the jump start. Yeah. Apparently you can't do that in Baldur's Gate three. You don't start out at level five, I can tell you that. All right. <laughs> you want to talk about Baldur's Gate? I'm C Roller. And I'm Willie. Welcome to the C Roller and Willie Podcast. Today we're gonna to be talking about Baldur's Gate. Uh Baldur's Gate three mostly, but the entire franchise uh came out when August you said. Uh yeah, it came out in August. It's been in pre-release for like three years, though. Like, well, shouldn't say pre-release. Uh, more or less, uh, I uh, bug testing and fixing stuff. Right. We waited this long because we wanted to wait to see what happened. You know, like what people, you know, thought of the game before we actually even talked about it. It felt like we waited a little too long, but we also had a couple of uh, episodes that were pre-planned. My, my first opinion of it, like, as somebody who's played D&D a lot, I think, it did a good job of capturing a lot of the D&D aspects, including like the dice rolls, like the different character races and uh, classes and just the way that like the quests are laid out and the fact that like you have different options, different ways of dealing with things. I think like they made this game is to bring in people that don't play D&D into the world of D&D and then, they, you know, maybe later on might transition them into I mean, I think that that could be a thing, but I think a lot of it is the legacy of Baldur's Gate. And, I mean, it's been around for uh, over 20 years. Right. The actual games of Baldur's Gate. Now, do you know if the um, the older Baldur's, Baldur's Gate, were they good? They've had a pretty good reputation. Um, thing is, uh, I really only got into it at, like, Baldur's Gate 2, so I didn't play the original Baldur's Gate. You played Baldur's Gate. Uh, which one did you I play? played? Uh, Dark the Dark Alliance one. And did you like it? I I loved it. It kind of reminded me of Diablo, but you know it. I yeah, I guess a little bit, but I mean, it had a better story than what Diablo did at the time. Just in general, like I think it's pretty obvious that it was based off of D and D mechanics. Well, I, I didn't know that when I played it. You know, I just, it is. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's Baldur's Gate in its original. I think even Baldur's Gate two were based off of the second edition, uh, A D and D. Uh, and then when it went to Dark Alliance, they switched to third edition rules. Oh, okay, okay, okay. For some reason, because there was never any um, dice rolling in the Dark Alliance, it was just like you know hack and slash, and you talk to you know do your little you know. I think side a lot. Of, I think a lot of it was done behind the scenes. Whereas in in Baldur's Gate three, you actually do see the dice rolls. Yeah, happen. yeah. And like you hear, like even even with like perception checks, you in the background they're happening. But you can hear, like, they have an audible noise for dice rolls are happening. That's what I was asking you earlier about the dice rolling, if it was fixed. Like, you don't want, like, you play Monopoly online, you know, and, you know. It, it has a random number generator, which a lot of games use, but it's specifically designed to emulate D20s and D8s and all, all the damage dice and stuff. And What I really like about this game was... Well, I don't play it, but I watch a lot of videos of other people playing it and having fun. I like that even with conversations, you still have to roll dice. Yeah, like that's the way it is in Dungeons and Dragons, typically, is you tell what you want to do. So it and in Baldur's Gate, it gives you different options. 
And then through those options, then like once you figure out what you want to do, then like the dice determine how well you do at it. Right. If you succeed. And I think Baldur's Gate 3 did a good job of not only doing that, but also showing it because it actually has a dice rolling, like dice rolling screen where it tells you the bonuses of your actions, like, like the bonuses you get for that action and like what choices you're going to make and how successful they might be. Uh, speaking about the dice rolling, I read some somewhere, right, that, you know, like when you're doing like something, you get, you know, you roll two, you roll twice, right? And they pick the highest number. Oh, that's called advantage. Okay. Then you got a disadvantage where they will pick your uh, lowest number. Yeah. Right? But yeah, that, that actually comes from, that actually comes from the D&D rules where if you have some type of an advantage, you get, you like normally you roll one and then that's your result, but you get to roll two. If you have advantage, you take the top result. If you have disadvantage, you take the bottom result. Oh, that would be so shitty. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen cases, I've seen cases where it makes sense. I mean, I mean, it's it seems like with the dice rolling, it seems like overall like a good setup how they did it. They actually stuck with the rules of D and D and made it into a video game. Yeah, and I. I like the fact that they actually incorporated it a little more, the dice rolls into the game than I was expecting when I played it. Well, I was, that's why I was surprised because I didn't know there was dice rolling. Then when I started watching like videos of it, I was like, holy shit, they added all this stuff into this game. And as somebody who got into Dungeons and Dragons through, well, through third edition briefly and then transitioned over to fifth edition. Uh, like I recognize a lot of the spells and stuff and attacks, and so a lot of it is actually close to Dungeons and Dragons. Let's talk about the classes. The classes? Yeah, let's talk about the classes they got. Yeah, what do you want to know about them? Well, we got the barbarian, the bard, the cleric, druid, fighter, monk, paladin, ranger, rogues. There's sorcerer, warlock, wizard. Why? Why there's so many classes? They all have different abilities, different. Uh, Things that they have to follow in different rules for each Before one. Before we talk they're about slightly it. different. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I was just saying, like, there's different. There, there's different things. Like, like obviously, it seems redundant to have like a barbarian, a fighter, and a paladin in this thing, but they all have different things. Like, bar- barbarians use rage and stuff to gain advantage and uh and to get and to eliminate damage. They have like reckless attacks and stuff, whereas like. Whereas like a paladin usually is the whole is like the holy warrior with a whole sword shield like stuff where barbarians t- tend not to have as much um, and they have more damage though barbarians have more damage and then right? like the fighter fighter is more of a skillful swordsman than any of the other ones think think of like a paladin more like a knight gotcha in shining armor gotcha. Like type thing and then you get like warlock sorcerer and wizard which are three variations of like uh, <laughs> magic but like which the the brief, the brief idea is that sorcerers are born with their magic. Wizards have to learn it through a book, oh, and then warlocks get it through a pact baby. with a deity, this like a magic sugar daddy, as the meme goes. Does it matter on your first playthrough who you pick? I think it it does to an extent, but I mean, like if I didn't know any of this, any of them, right? I was just like click at random. Would I be? You'll, able you'll to- have a different experience, but I don't think I don't think it matters as far as. If you're going to enjoy the game, just you want to pick something that sounds good to you, I think. You don't want to be picking something like. So if I like if you're if you're into like 
casting spells and shit, you don't want to pick like a melee character. Right, right. But well, let's I, say someone that doesn't know anything about this game and their parents bought it for them. And they don't know nothing and they just click at random. They, they would have they, to learn they, how to, you know, compensate with that player. Yeah, that and there's, there's some things where I don't think that uh, a brand new player coming into this game are going to figure out. And a lot of it comes down to the actual combat. Like the the social the social aspect where you talk to people and you get different dialogue choices and you get the role for that. I think that in itself is less... Oh, it's so, it's a bit more forgiving than the the combat. The combat, if you don't know what you're doing, it's supposed to be easier than the last games. But I still found it to be unforgiving when it comes to if you make a mistake, uh, you're gonna pay for it. So the race and your class can reflect on conversations too. Yeah, actually, particularly your race. Not much. Not much class though, right? The class. I mean. There are certain things that you get bonuses for classes, but mostly like your race is like who you present as in the game. Right. And I think that affects some of the dialogue choices immediately. But then class does too, because you get different bonuses from the classes. But I think you still can get around it by whatever choices you make in the moment. And with the, uh, like for the race and class, right? You can um, adopt party members right to help you fight too right yeah you get more than you can take with you at any time like there's an entire like camp area where you can swap out different companions so we're going to still go with the classes we're going to um you got the barbarian like what advantages he have over the other characters you're barbarian about, yeah you got more power right they are definitely a melee character they're more brute strength than they are like skilled with swords and stuff they're, they tend they, they tend to use like rage and reckless attacks. Yeah, I see. I'm gain advantages. Berserker on there and wild ma- wild magic. They can use magic too. Uh a little bit. Uh, just, they're not almost every class has a little bit of magic capability. They're not full dedicated magic classes though. Right. It just uh, take out like multiple enemies at one time. This thing it the thing is uh like a lot of like games does this. To like you got Final Fantasy, right? You can have a melee character, but they still can still have magic. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Know. And then the bard. I, I never even heard of that. I'm guessing it's a uh a musician or something. Yeah, bard is definitely they they use they use instruments to do uh magic. A power of sound. They're also they're also bards are also really good at tend to be good at conversation. Okay, so that's how you romance character other NPC characters quicker. Well, being a bard, I mean, I'm sure that helps, but uh, you pretty much can romance any of the characters oh. as any other, as whatever you choose. In fact, one of the characters is so, so easy to romance that you can do it on accident. Oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one in a little bit. Oh, God, that. There, there are definitely multiple Reddit stories of people who accidentally romance <laughs> a certain character. Were, were uh, the cler- clerics? The clerics? Yeah, clerics. They tend to be healers, but as with Dungeons and Dragons, even in Baldur's Gate, you can do a lot more than just healing with a the cleric. They're basically, they're basically only the holy people. They can also not only can they do like healing and shit, but they also could bring down holy vengeance. They they have many many attacks that do damage. I don't know if I like this character from what I'm seeing because I, then you have to rely on your um your allies to be you know melee, right? I mean, yeah, but they also could do damage. 
Yeah, but don't you just don't want your healer taking that damage. Yeah, because you gotta stay away. <laughs> Man, that would suck being that character. You could probably die really quick, huh? I mean, I tend not to do that because I is that what I you use. Are? I I actually I actually use the <laughs> the half the half out cleric uh, oh. shadow heart in my team, so I tend not to play as a cleric. Druids, that looks like a... they're they're nature people. Okay, so they you... do a lot of nature based spells. Like you can grow trees and beat people with wood. They also are very in tune with animals as well. So let's say you're in an trees, area plants, animals. So it's all nature. So no matter where in the world of Baldur's Gate you're at, like it could be like a area of a quarry, you can still use those rocks as elements for attacks, right? Yeah. So could. that is a overall good character. I'm however. I feel like there are probably better spells than throwing rocks, but I mean, I'm just, just doing an example. Oh, okay. That was just an example, but this seemed like the overall good character I would actually probably pick because, like, no matter where you are in the world of Baldur's Gate, you have something you can use. Now we're gonna talk about fighters. They're typically fighters, sword and shield, light armor. Well, not light, but like. They're not heavily plate armor typically. Right, and they're more agile and stuff like that. They're quicker. Yeah. But they have little armor on them. As with every other thing, they also can do... I don't know. Can you do magic as a fighter in Baldur's Gate? I'm not sure, but in D&D, I know there's a thing. No, don't look I think there's a... In D&D, there's a thing called an Eldritch Knight, which is actually a fighter thing. I mean, it'd be a good character for, you know, damage per second. Yeah, there is. Eldritch Knight. There's a subclass you can take. Uh, they actually have spells. Oh, what does that do? Uh, it gives you spells that you can use. doesn't look like they have Booming Blade, which was one of my things. But they do have a lot of other, like they have Blade Ward, and they have a lot of defensive spells, but they also have a couple of attack spells, like Firebolt and Thunderbolt, and Witchbolt. And, like, well, you can spells. always like put magic on your weapons, too. Call it, uh, what is it called, Dip or something like that? You can dip your weapons in something, and it calls like a certain... That's not actually magic. That's just poison. Oh, just okay. Well, that's magic to me. So then, like, oh, I just magically got poison from this guy that stabbed me, you know, with a sword. Now the monk, which you know, I don't. they're they're typically hand to hand. Like they can use weapons, but they're they're definitely a. They're, when I think of martial classes, I literally think of martial arts for uh, monk. Yeah, I'm definitely not liking this character. They use things like bow staffs and their and, and their fists and stuff. They're they're basically martial arts. They're so let's say like they, this, they're also they also can be ninjas. Not 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 trying to be funny, but like let's say this monk had a chance to grab a bow off the ground, right? So you think he would break it in half before he would use it as a bow and use it more like a sword or what? They probably could. They could use a bow. It's just it's not they're they're not proficient. So it's not going to be as much damage if he does hit. Yeah, pretty much. They're not going to be able to do as much. Like they have specific weapons that are considered uh, monk weapons. Yeah, they're they're only doing three of the subclasses from D and D. One of them is about doing elemental attacks, like a like an avatar thing. One of them is now about, I'm intrigued. One of them is, one of them is about doing attacks with your hand. The other one's about <sighs> like jumping around, being sh- uh, sneaky as a martial thing. You want to go through every single one of these? I mean, you seem to be. I mean, I'm learning about them. So let's go with the Paladin. You might as well. Fuck it. 
as I said, paladins are pretty much the knights in shining armor, big uh, things. They they have holy damage because they're aligned with some type of deity as a holy warrior. A ranger, I'm guessing, is a bow and arrow guy. You know, not not that important. That's a very broad description. Broad they're, probably has like a Bowie knife on his side too. But they it? have, but the, they are capable of uh, of doing the bow and arrow thing. But they're also capable of like handling animals. They have a little overlap with druids there. The thing is, rangers are t- tend to be overlooked because a Boy lot, of, a lot of what they do is covered by other classes. Gotcha. So they tend to be overlooked because of that. Well, when you pick your uh, party members, you might want to try to pick ones that you know kind of would help you out too, right? Well, with any class, you want to do that. Like with barbarian, you want to have a you know a wizard or something you know with you too, right? All right, so let's go next one, rogue, which I actually kind of like, actually. Do you know what a rogue is? Yeah, it's an assassin, thief, you know, all the Sneaky, stealthy. Sneaky, stealthy. I tried doing that with the warlock. Like, I tried to do it. My first run through, I picked the warlock uh, companion instead of a custom character, and I sucked at it. I should have went with rogue if I wanted to try that. You would have got a 100%, you know, successful rate, huh? Maybe. Maybe. Probably not even that. Maybe like, it'd be a very high. It'd be a lot higher chance. Yeah. Now, sorcerer. They're a magic user who tends to uh, have their powers like inborn into them. Like, like there's wild magic, which is magic just happens to you, and then like after a certain amount of spells, like occasionally just something happens. Draconic bloodline is like literally you get your powers through some type of link to a dragon. Hey, remember earlier you were saying there was like a character that, you know, you can romance, you know, the NPCs, you know, really. That's not the sorcerer. That was a sorcerer? No. I'm pretty sure that was a wizard. Oh, and we're about to get to that one. You didn't even like mention that yet. So the wizard can romance those characters. The wizard, in its definition, a wizard is just somebody who gets their magic through book smarts. It's a spell book they have to go through. Yeah, yeah. And then the warlock, which is the last one, I think we didn't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The warlock. They get their they get their powers through a uh, pact with a deity, not like a god, but like some other sort of thing, like a fake creature or a, like a demon or something. But yeah, the wizard, that's one of your companions, Gale. Apparently, all you have to do is say yes to him showing you a magic trick. Yeah, a magic trick, huh? <laughs> I'm gonna show you some magic. Uh, Ooh. Uh, I'm going to show you some magic. Yeah, that that's the type of magic I was thinking, huh? You probably clicked yes. And when you go back to your other companions, like say, like say you want to romance one of the other companions, they're like, no, you promised Gail your body. I'm like, no, I didn't. He said he wanted to show me magic. <laughs> I, I didn't expect that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was actually going to show me magic, not things disappearing. You don't even need to be an expert to play this game. Like, you don't even need to even know anything about D&D to play this game. Not officially. I mean, it'll give you an advantage in the combat-wise, but I I, I think you could pick it up as you go. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like learning. Like, it's like going to school. The more you're doing it, the more you're learning. People are saying that you want to use a custom character for your first playthrough. Do not. I didn't do that. You didn't do it. No. I chose Will. I chose Will, the uh, the warlock. You had any problems with it? Not necessarily. I mean, well, you 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 know how D and D works, so you're not. You know, these are. I wanted I wanted to play the warlock. I thought that was cool. Right. I didn't realize 
that if you didn't play him, you would find him in the game. Like, I didn't know going into it when I did my first run through that you would find every one of the companions in the game somehow. So I didn't realize that you could have him part of the party. I just chose it because I wanted to play a warlock anyways. But you did find, you know, that in your party. Well, I found everybody else. I couldn't find Will because he's me. Oh. (laughs) Pick a class that suits you. You know, well, yeah, that's pretty much common sense, right? I'm more of a hack and slash guy. I would probably went with like barbarian or something like that. Or yeah, you want, you like magic and that's just who I am. Like I, I, I just like the ability of having magic. Like if I wanted to go and pick up a sword and shield and I could literally go do that. I want to do something I can't do, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that, I think that's the biggest thing is I, I use these games to do shit that I could not do in real life. Sure, I'm not going to go and fight a monster, but I can pick up a sword and shield. Well, that's why I was like making fun of that bow and arrow guy, because anyone can go out and grab a bow and get good with it, you know, become a ranger, right? <laughs> kind of, yes. <laughs> but you, but gotta... you, you do know that fighters can choose a bow, right? No, I didn't know that. They could do range attacks as well. Oh, no shit. They're just more equipped to handle hand-to-hand, well, I should say sword-to-sword. Oh, I did make a comment earlier, like, they could pick up a bow and shoot it. That... You were talking about a monk. Remember, um, Kobe, he was on our podcast before. He yeah. was telling me he, you know, like he got stuck in an area where he could not win. And yeah, that happened to me too. Yeah. But he ended up losing a character that he didn't want to lose because he couldn't win. So he had to choose a different. Yeah. And that's why you save. Yeah. He's, that's why he saved all the time. Apparently he got saved frequently. <laughs> there was a part where I was stuck in a loop and I found that I had to go all the way back to a certain point because I couldn't get out of the loop where I was stuck in a combat scenario that was just overwhelming every time i tried to leave i was at level three at a place where i shouldn't have been and i had to go back and just get out of that and level up your list over there i i think if you don't know that you should save often in a game like this you've been living under a rock because like a lot of games are like that now yeah i usually when i do play games i do save all the time I think I save, like, maybe, like, when I find something, like, rare or something like that, I would save the game. So, it don't have any autosave features to it. It's better to save any time that you think you might need Because you don't know when it's going to autosave. When you start up, you can create a custom character you can choose from the companion list. Then there's another option called the Dark Urge. I read into that, and I thought that was kind of interesting, actually. You know, well, you get a personal quest for, that's uh, called the, the Urge, and... Essentially, you either have to follow the urge or you have to resist it, and it results in a lot of death. We're not going to spoil anything after that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to spoil the game itself, just go over certain things. That is an option you can take, and it has an interesting it has an interesting turn to it. Now, I do want to talk about something in particular, which is the setting. It is an actual Dungeons & Dragons setting. Like, the Forgotten Realms is the setting, and then... There's like other ones like Eberron and stuff, but in particular, like this one, like it's set in and around the area of Baldur's Gate, which is a major city. And I think Baldur's Gate three starts uh starts near the Emerald Grove, because that's one of the first areas that you get to go to is Emerald Grove, and then you travel towards Baldur's Gate the entire game. So my question is, who is actually the bad guy in this? It's kind of like the elder brain of Mind Player, and uh, the actual name of the bad guy is The Absolute. 
He's a mind flayer. Bro. How crazy would it be? You get towards the end of uh, the last act and you realize you're the bad guy, you know, serving the bad guy. Well, you can actually make that choice. Oh, you can? Yes. Oh, my God. There's so much options in this game. That's why I got a 9.8 out of 10. As I said, in the end, you can choose to portray everybody and become the absolute. Oh, my God. You can take the place of the bad guy at the very end. Oh, shit. Do you already know about this? Well, yeah. As you go through the game, you find out like <laughs> there's different things that go on throughout the game where you find out certain characters are not who they think who you think they are. Right. And you have to make a choice. The game ends if you make a certain choice, but I'm not going to tell you what that choice is. No, we don't want to spoil anything for anyone that's watching this. I will go into the beginning of the game because I think anybody who's playing is going to figure this out really soon. You start off captured on a mind player, uh, basically a mind player ship, and you get a tadpole shoved into your eye that's supposed to turn you into a mind player, and you're fighting against that the entire game. I think I want I want to talk about like some of the controversy. Like as good of a game as this is, it had a couple of controversies around it. Yeah, I and I why. think the first obvious one is the fact that you, since you can romance any one of your companions, there is. A controversy around same-sex romance. Okay. And I also, I also think there's a lot more kickback from that than there is actual controversy. Because I think one person said something, and then a whole bunch of people are like, oh my god, people are freaking out about, about this. I'm like, no, they're not. Most people don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Honestly, my only problem with the same sex is Gail. Because you can literally accidentally romance Gail. Not even wanted even romance them. Yeah, basically. That's, that that's my only like. I don't care. Like, I don't. I'm gonna care. show you. I'm gonna show you a magic trick. I don't care <laughs> that you can romance another like like as a male romance another male or female romance another female. I don't care, and I don't think most people care. Oh, I mean, no. So I I think that one was blown out of proportion, and then there's the dev shaming slash expectation hype. I think it. Pretty much all revolves around people reading part of a tweet and then not reading the other 10 or the other nine. And then people going off of that and then an IGN video, blah, blah, blah. But like this tweet basically is like, I'm going to preemptively push back against players talk about how you could create a new standard, which if you take just that tweet, I could see where the problem in that is, is because. There's a lot of shitty games out there being pushed out year after year after year, and we're tired of it. And an awesome game comes around. If you get hyped for it, somebody tells you, you shouldn't be hyped about this game. It should not be the expectation for games. Man, You're going to have pushback. Okay, we've been um, looking at games that, you know, like these uh, third-party, you know, like, look, look at that Friday Days at, what is it, Friday Days at Night, whatever. That's not that as, it's not as well, Five fun. Nights at Freddy's? Five Nights at Freddy's. It's not. There's as, a movie. Well, no, it's a game actually. No, there, there's a movie coming out. It's already out. But no, I'm well, just, see, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that it's not as fun as Baldur's Gate. Okay, I know it already came out. I was, yeah, figure of speech. It, oh, coming out is out close enough. <laughs> Boom. Anyway. Yeah, I'm just like that's not like it's not a game for you know everyone. You know what I mean? My thing is, if you read the rest of what this guy said in his tweet that started off this whole controversy, it's basically saying that the 
the things that went into making Baldur's Gate 3 good aren't going to be there for every single game. No. But I also have to say that I think the standard of all games has kind of taken a nosedive in general. I don't think it's necessarily the developers. Does he make well, video games? I don't games? think we should be t- telling developers, hey, look, you're doing a shitty job. Because I think developers want to make a good game. I just think that their restrictions on what they can and cannot do in a certain amount of time, meeting deadlines that are unrealistic and you know what, shit. You know what that guy sounds like? A troller. Well, I think a lot of people took it at tweet one out of ten and didn't read the rest of it. No, that guy that did the tweet, he was a troller. I don't think he is. I think maybe, maybe not. I think I think he's trying to he was trying to make a point and did it poorly, I think is what <laughs> well, Because he started off with shame on people who think that this should be the expectation of video games. Okay. Well And I think that that is that is a dumb way to start his <laughs> point. Well, I'll uh, tell you what, that guy dumb way to start his point of saying, Hey, look, <clears throat> not every game is gonna have the backing that this game had between the games that they right. that, that that the studio had are previously made the fact that they have a grounding in Dungeons and Dragons as a as a skeleton for this, and the fact that they had three years of testing. Not yeah. every game's going to have that. No, but I want to see. I want to see that guy spend six years of his life, you know, try to make a game better than Baldur's Gate. We'll see what happens. But like my thing is, is I think the standard of video games in general needs to be higher because we keep giving games. I'm not saying developers are the problem. It's not. It's the um the company that the games are you know game put. So I think games. a lot of it is misdirected attention, and also the fact that this guy didn't take into consideration the general scape of games and and he's like, well, not every game can live up to that. But no, not a game. Not every game has to. But they should be striving to be better than what they are. You know, like no matter what, no game that go go you know comes out there is going to hit you know everyone's attention. When 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 uh, certain games like like a AAA game has a storefront as their main attraction rather than the actual game, or when it's loaded with microtransactions and skins that are twenty dollars, and uh, and then you got release, then you got like release dates that are unrealistic. Games either hit their release date and are bugged bugged to crap on release. Or meet unexpected delays, which clearly means that they're not they're not capable of finishing the game at re- at the release point that was set. That tells me that the that the, the that the company in charge of setting these release dates don't know what it takes to make a game. The developers are trying their asses off to make these games, but they're being held to unrealistic expectations. Yeah, I wanted. Uh... And I think that that goes for both sides, whether it's the people playing the games or the people. Uh, or or the people riding down their shoulders as they're making them. You think they'll ever make like a? Well, they already did a D and D, you know, movie. A lot of people were expecting it to fail because they've made previous ones that were bomb. Yeah, but I think it was decent. Do you imagine if they do a Baldur's Gate movie? Because that movie did really well from what I've seen. And I I feel like that D and D is actually going to start getting more and more and more people involved with it because oh, it's been a it's been a rolling trend for a while my thing's gonna get a lot bigger between critical role and then the first episode of uh stranger things like D has been in the public eye for a while i feel like it's gonna you know get to a point where it's gonna explode where like you know it's gonna be like the top notch thing i do want to point out one thing with that controversy i told you ign made a video they made a video called 
Baldur's, it was titled Baldur's Gate 3 is causing developers to panic. It's not. Not really. No. No. That's not what's going on. Is people is a couple developers said some shit that they probably shouldn't have in response to a bunch of people also saying shit they couldn't have. But it's not developers in general. <laughs> no, it's not. They're they're like they're trying to get leaks and stuff. They're, they're, you they're, know? Well, they're no. I think what they're trying to do is create hype over something or ride the hype over it. I guess yeah. just get like some um, attention, some views, attention. No, that, that shit don't work. Those are controversial things I saw. Did you see anything else? There was a couple people that they're like, "Oh, why add the dice in? You know, when not needed." Why uh, add the dice? Because the dice makes the I, game. I think, I think the the dice is an interesting mechanic. It made the game the way it is with the dice, and it definitely plays homage. As yeah, it plays homage to like D and D, like the 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 thing that the game is based off of. I mean, sure, you don't have to. It could all be behind the scenes, but having that there is it's a good nod to like where the game came from, what it's based off. Like Baldur's Gate, the original Baldur's Gate was based off a of second you think, edition. Um, you think people Dark Alliance was based off a of third, and now this is based off a of fifth. Do you think if everyone that bought the game, do you think a hundred percent of them actually know? It was based off of D and D, or they're just like, "Oh, it's an adventure." I don't think everybody knows, but I think right. a lot of people do. But if you know everyone knew about it, you know they would, you know, respect it more. You know, those possibly, possibly. Yeah. But I think there's going to be people who just can't appreciate things. Anything they just bitch about shit. Yeah, exactly. Wait, what do we call them? Um, oh, fun blockers. Oh, I call them Karens, but. The only thing I really wanted to add is how long this game's been around. Oh, like okay. Baldur's Gate, the original one came out in 1998. That's how long that this. Oh, it's been a long time. That's then. how long this franchise has been around. Yeah, that's pretty long. And like the last actual Baldur's Gate game was in 2016. So when did Dark Alliance come out? Or the uh, PS2? I think Baldur's Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance yeah. came out in 2001. Yep, that's what I was playing. They had one that's called Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, which was based off of that. I didn't in play in twenty twenty one. But since it doesn't have Baldur's Gate in the name, I don't consider it part of it. Yeah. Well, they've been like making these games for a long time. It just it wasn't like as big as what it is now with Baldur's Gate three, right? Yeah, I think. And the they re- actually the re-release of Baldur's Gate two when it came out to the modern consoles uh, was pretty big. I think it was like PS four slash. Yeah, PS4 era. So I think that was the big, the big rolling hype that I think pushed for Baldur's Gate three to be made, because people are like, "Hey, we like this game again." Was- we got C. Roller's point of view about this game because he plays it, and I just watch other people play games, and I, you know, enjoy watching other people play games, even though I don't play them. But I want to say Baldur's Gate's been a pretty good game, and I think the hype for it and the people celebrating it are definitely, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like a lot of the controversy says, I think we should ride this and I happens. think it deserves all the props it gets. Yeah. And with that, uh, I've been C roller. And I'm Willie. Thank you for watching our podcast. Thank you. Peace. Peace. You're so, going through a list of things that people wish they knew. Yep.